Come on, let's give it up one more time for the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Two quick announcements. Um, first of which, would you continue to pray for us? We are we will be heading. Our missions team will be heading on September the fourth through the ninth. We're going to be in Puebla, in uh, Tenancingo, in those areas ministering. We're going to be reaching out to a couple of different, three different villages. And so, keep us in your prayers. Missions team, we have a meeting next Sunday after service. Final details as we get ready to uh, to go on our trip. Uh, there will be a bridal shower. 2.30, uh, Saturday, August the 26th. This is for Shannon, and uh, she is there tying the knot, and so I want you to come bless her. Also, uh, Burgers and Bibles are going to be at J. Lou Community Park, and that's going to be Saturday as well from 11 to 2, so you could um, go get your burger and then come over and get some cake. Amen? Okay, good plan. Good plan. Praise God. I hope you have enjoyed as much as I've enjoyed uh, the word uh, from uh, that the Lord has given to William. Uh, he is truly a, a, a gift for the body of Christ. He and Chantel have done a fantastic job this week. Come on, let's welcome him uh, back here as he ministers Thank the truth. Brother. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Wow. Well, good morning, family. It has been such a honor and a blessing to be here this week, and I've enjoyed getting to know your pastors. Let's give them a hand. Come on. You guys are awesome. You know, when I was looking at during worship and I was, you know, just observing everything that was happening in the room, it kind of reminded me the last time I was in uh, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, and I was doing some ministry there, and Several churches brought me out to do a conference very similar to this weekend, and one of the pastors of one of the churches there was a sensationist church, which means they didn't believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they started speaking out against me and calling me all types of names and everything, and to be honest with you, I've had to cast more Christians off of me than demons. <laughs> I'm just being, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You know, I've had to cast more religious people off than anything. And I'm thinking, I'm such a nice guy. Why are they speaking so negative about me? They were calling me some kind of heretic and all this. But the pastor of the church made a mistake. He said, well, well that wasn't a mistake. Well, it was. But he made a mistake of telling his people not to go to the conference. And so we start having this conference, and the first night, uh, it was a powerful night, people encountering the Lord. But the next night, um, about halfway through the worship service, and I'm getting ready to go up to minister, I notice the back door opens in the auditorium. I notice probably 10 or 12 people walk into the room, and they sit on the back row, and they cross their arms like this, you know, and they're just, they look mad. You ever seen someone mad in church? Man, well, I'll leave that alone. And so they come in, they sit on the back row of the, of the church, and you could tell they weren't there to participate. They were there to observe, to check it out. I want to see what these people are about. Well, fast forward probably 10 or, 20, 10 or 15, 20 minutes later, I come up, I'm beginning to preach. Within five minutes of me preaching, the entire back row, all those people that just walked in, falls out under the power of the Spirit. <laughs> Every single one of them gets filled with the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in tongues. 
But the issue is they don't believe in it. <laughs> and at the end of the service, every single one of them came up to me. It's like, you know, we, we were here to, to kind of observe this, to see what all this stuff is about. But, but we just spoke in tongues for 45 minutes. She says, we, we, uh, they said, we believe in this stuff now. I said, well, I said, now you're in a dilemma. I said, what are you going to do from this point on? I said, you need to go and you need to find a place where it's teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They said, well, we're going to go back to our home church tomorrow morning because it was a Saturday night. Well, I didn't know what was about to happen to that church that spoke out against me. Well, these people that just got filled with the Holy Spirit went to their cessationist church the next morning. And during worship, one of the ladies stands up, begins to pray out loud in tongues in a cessationist church, which you can imagine how that started going over. The pastor is sitting on the front row. He's starting getting mad. But before he can get up to rebuke or to correct what was happening in the room, all of a sudden, person after person in the, in the audience starts being filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, it catches across the whole, whole audience, people being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so he sends one of his demons, I mean deacons, up to bring uh, correction to the service. Amen. And when he goes up, he grabs the mic, and when he grabs the mic, he gets filled with an evidence. And so he's speaking out loud in tongues, and the pastor's only, about the only one in the service that didn't get filled. But you know what? I have to say this about that pastor. That pastor went home, and he said this. Because the people that were being filled with it was his friends and his family that he knew them very well. And he knew that they were not going to make up something like that. And so he went home and he says, there has to be something that I don't know. So to his credit, he went home and studied the word of God. He came to the conclusion, no, the gifts have not died out. They have continued and the very next Sunday, he started teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? Wow. And so when I was seeing that this morning, not that any, any of you were cessationists or anything, but it just took me back to that precious moment where these people that did not believe in these continuations, did not even have faith in it, but it did not offend God. God, by his grace, produced the faith that they needed to respond to his gift that he wanted to give them. Man, that's how good God is, is that he doesn't stumble over who you're not. He loves you in spite of you. Man, he, he's radically in love with you. There is nothing that you can ever do to change his mind about you. If, listen, if Jesus thinks you're worth dying for, then, I, then you need to accept the fact that he loves you unconditionally. And you just need to get over yourself and realize, man, God loves me. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm having prayer lines sometimes, and if I have one more person that comes up me in a prayer line and says, I just don't know if God loves me or not, I mean, the spirit of slap is going to come all over me. 
Like, what do you mean God doesn't love you? He died for you, you moron. No, I'm kidding. Listen, I know this is Sunday morning, and the purpose of Sunday morning is to get to the restaurants before all the other churches get there. But today we're going to have a good meal before a meal. Hey, listen, I, I usually take a moment to talk about my product that I bring, but, but, but I, I don't want to talk about that. You guys have heard me this weekend. You know what I'm about. I bring product to make disciples. And so I want you, you can go out there and check that out when, when you want to do that at the end of the service, but I want to get into the Word of God. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. And if you want to put your finger over in John chapter 21, we'll make our way over there in just a little while. But we're going to look at three gospel stories this morning, and we're going to look at how Jesus trained the disciples to follow him. How many of us know that, that Jesus is not just our Savior, he is our Lord? And because he is our Lord, he deserves our obedience, he deserves our worship, he deserves our life to be laid down unto him, consecrated unto him, which means he is the Lord of our will when we so submit it unto him. And when we look at the Gospels and we look at how Jesus was training the disciples to follow him, he was role modeling what it looks like for every single one of us in today's time to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? And so what I want you to do, and this is what I do when I study the Bible, is I actually interject myself into the story, and I imagine myself being that disciple talking with Jesus, and Jesus speaking these words to me as if he's asking me to do them. And the reason that I do that, because it helps me evaluate my heart and my level of obedience. It helps me to evaluate where I am in this journey and relationship with God to see would I actually be obedient in this situation if I was this disciple that Jesus was speaking this to. That makes sense? So the first story we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 14 is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Let's pick this up in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by, by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So I want you to put yourself in this situation. You are a disciple. You've been walking with Jesus all day long. It's getting quite late, right? And you come to Jesus and you have this question. You ask Jesus this question. It's getting quite late. We need to send these people away so they can get some, some food. Now, picture this. Let me just read that one more time. Verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food, verse 16. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, this can also can be looked at as prayer. 
You know what prayer is? Prayer is when I come to Jesus and I ask him a question and he speaks to me, right? That means prayer is a, is, is a dialogue, not a monologue. A lot of, the reason a lot of people don't hear the voice of God in prayer is because what they do is talk for a solid hour and when they get through talking, they leave. I know how I feel when I have certain family members call me and I see their name on my caller ID. I'm like, oh, man, they wanting something else again. Because a lot of people think they don't look at prayer as relational. They look at prayer as something that they do to get something from God. But prayer is a relational aspect where your fellowship with him is developed. And so these disciples are coming to Jesus and they have this question or have this situation going on. There's at least 5,000 people here, not counting the women and children. So there could be 10 to 15,000 people. And they say, well, Jesus, this quiet late, let's send them out so they can get something to eat. And, but Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. Now, that's an interesting statement to me, and it's something that you must understand. When God speaks a word to you that doesn't make sense logically, that means he has information about that situation that you don't have, and it requires you to trust his voice outside of your logic. You see, many of us think everything that God is going to ask us to do is logical. Well, it is logical from his perspective, but that logic is coming from the reality of who he is, not from the reality of who you are. What most people do is they process God through their logic so they reduce him down to their level of understanding. When you process God through your logic, you form an image out of that human reasoning, which means he becomes a false image of worship. Let me try this out over here. I haven't woke up yet. I don't drink coffee. I'm a Christian, but I'm kidding. But give it a few more minutes. I'll wake up and I'll get a little Pentecostal, maybe. But I want you to follow with me right here. When you process God through your logic, you're reducing him down to your level of understanding. But when you process your logic through God, you are awakened to his understanding. And so what Jesus is trying to teach these disciples right here is that even though I'm asking you to do something that doesn't make natural, logical sense, in other words, you don't have the ability within yourself to accomplish it, I, I'm asking you to trust that in my voice carries the provision that you need to accomplish the assignment I'm telling you to do. I'm preaching right here now. And then this is what happened. Verse 17. They said to him, we, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Now, there's one issue with this. Five loaves of bread and two fish is not about to feed 5,000 people. And so they respond to Jesus and they say, Jesus, this is all I have, which is all he needs. This is a good point. The only thing that you need to bring to Jesus to accomplish the call of God in your life is simply what you have. 
Because all, what you have is all he needs to anoint you to be the minister to the people he's called you to minister to. But what we do a lot of times is we want the totality of the provision to come so that before we go, that God wants you to go so that the provision can actually come. He wants you to trust that what you bring to him is enough to accomplish the divine call on your life. And so they simply bring to Jesus what they have. And then Jesus takes what they have. Is this helping? Verse 18, he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit on the, on the grass. Now, this is an interesting thing. So Jesus says, well, bring that to me, what you have. And then Jesus commands the 5,000 people to begin to break up into groups of hundreds and fifties and a couple of hundreds. But he breaks them up to sit down on the grass. And when he breaks them up into groups, what he's going to do with the disciples is that he's going to send each disciple to a certain group, which means that group becomes the people that they're called to minister to. Are you seeing it? And so then Jesus takes what they have. It goes on to say this. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. Listen to this. And the disciples gave the multitudes. And so Jesus takes what they have and he does something with it. He blesses it, but then he actually breaks it. A lot of times when we read this story, we think all of a sudden Golden Corral manifested in front of these people and, they, and a buffet was there and they handed out plates and they said, hey, now go and eat all you want to eat. But that's not what happened. Jesus literally took what they had. He broke it. He made it even smaller. And I promise you what he did is that he looked at one of the disciples and he placed a little piece of bread and a little piece of fish in the palm of their hands and he's turned them to face the people that they were called to minister to, their, their destiny. And he says, now I want you to go and feed these people with what I just blessed and gave to you in your hand." See, what happens right here requires a greater level of trust. Here, here, here it is. The level of your trust determines the level of your obedience. And so now he puts it in one of these disciples' hands because you notice Jesus is not the one feeding the people. The disciples are the one feeding the people. And so he turns this disciple and he says, now you walk over there and you I trust that what's in your hand contains within itself everything that you need to be a blessing to those people. But if the disciple was, would have been walking toward their destiny, looking at what was in their hand, they would have processed logic. Logically, oh man, every step closer to destiny, what will happen is they will continue to evaluate what they don't have instead of what they do have. Is this helping? I believe God has major callings on every single person in this room. Some of you have promises of God that's been in your life for years, but yet you're looking at what's in your hand. 
You started that journey toward the people, but somewhere along the way, because you weren't focused on the destination, you were focused on what was in your hand, you stopped walking toward your destiny. Listen, God can only give direction to people that are in motion. When you look, let me just give you an example of this. When I came to this church, I had a GPS system, even though a pastor was trying to give me directions, like, yeah, go down here. You see an old man sitting in the wheelchair? Yeah, take a right. I'm not listening to that. I'm listening for an address because I'm going to put my address in my GPS system, right? And it's going to, and when I did, what happens is it pulled up my destination, my destiny. But how many of us know if I put that address in my GPS system and I just sat in my car and didn't move, then I wouldn't receive specific direction from the GPS system. You see, God has a promise over your life, and he's, and he's blessed what's in your hand, but if you don't start moving, I, I know where I'm going, I know the people, I know the destination, but, but, but God, you're not speaking anything else to me because he's waiting for you. You're not waiting for him. He's waiting for you to begin to move so that in that process, he gives you specific direction so that you don't become preoccupied with what's in your hand, but the voice that's guiding you in the process. All right. I don't know what you said, brother, but it felt anointed. <laughs> and listen to what happens. Verse 20. Verse 19 again. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave, the, gave to the multitudes. Verse 20. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And I promise you, the supernatural provision didn't take place until the disciple came all the way to the very first person, and they were willing to give away what they had so that they can tap into what they couldn't see that they had. And it was in that moment that the multiplication began. It was when they were willing to trust and obey all the way to the end. You see, so a lot of people, they read stories like this, this like this, and they think, they think it's like a Star Wars novel or a Book of Narnia or something. Like, God, that's just, that's just a story. That didn't happen. Well, that's probably why you live defeated all the time. That's probably why you don't have supernatural things happen in your life. Believe in, listen, man, this guy, is, I like him. Brother, I'm going to pay you to travel around with me and just be my amen guy. Listen, it, it, it's simple. Believe and receive, doubt and do without. I mean, it's simple. Believe, receive. Doubt, do without. <laughs> it's just really that simple. I remember when I was studying and reading this text, and I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, 
I want to be like one of these disciples that trusts your voice when you ask me to do this, even when it doesn't make natural, logical sense. And then I made this radical prayer. I says, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do, even if it doesn't make sense. Man, that was a mistake. I didn't know he was actually going to take me up on that. And I remember me and my good friend uh, was doing some street ministry at a time, and, we, and our town was so small that we had ministered to every person in our town about ten times. And so we had to start going to different cities to minister to different people. And so we were in a nearby town, and we were uh, praying for people and leading people to the Lord that day, and we were making our way back home late in the evening, very similar to this. And my friend Woody, he was driving the car, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and I'm just kind of looking out the window, thinking about the miracles that we had seen that day. And as I'm looking out the window, I see a black bird fly by the window going in the opposite direction. And as soon as I see this black bird, I had this random thought, which is a way that God can speak to you, is through spontaneous thoughts. I had this random thought, direction to death. And so I see this blackbird. I had this random thought, direction to death. I'm thinking, well, that's, that's strange. I don't normally think like this. Let me ask Woody what he thinks about it. So I look at Woody, and I says, Woody, I saw this bird. I had this thought. What do you think we should do? He says, well, I think we need to follow this bird and see if you're hearing from God. Now, some of you are like, oh, boy, he's getting off. No, I asked the Lord, Lord, I do anything you want me to do, even if it doesn't make natural, logical sense, right? But here's a key, key factor. The only way you can grow in hearing the voice of God is by acting on what you believe he's saying. If you don't act on it, you'll never know if you actually heard God or not. And if you don't act on it, you will never develop your ability to hear his voice more clearly because fear Oh, Lord, has crippled you or made, made you deaf, in a sense, to his voice. Or disobedience has. And so Woody turns his car around, and, and, and we begin to follow this black bird down the street. I know this is strange. I know this is weird. But we begin to follow this black bird. Now, it's, it's literally flying over the highway perfectly in the middle of the highway. And this bird turns down, flies down this, uh, uh, this long driveway and lands in a tree above a home. And so me and Woody starts down this driveway, and we're pulling up to the porch. And I'm thinking in myself, I'm starting to naturally, like, logically think this through, and I'm like, okay, we're following a bird to somebody's house right now. Like, what am I going to tell these people when they answer the door? Like, hey, we're Jehovah Witness, right? I'm like, what am I going to tell them? <laughs> and, and I'm starting to naturally, logically think this through, and immediately doubt begins to come. Why? Because, oh, Lord, unbelief is a byproduct of what you're meditating and thinking on. If you're thinking on your circumstance, it'll produce unbelief. But if you're thinking on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And so I'm thinking this through. And, and, and Woody's one of these guys. He just goes for it. So he starts rolling down his window when we, when we pull up to the driveway. What happens is there's a front porch there. And the door opens as soon as we get there. A man walks out of the house with a gun in his hand. You know, direction to death. I'm thinking, man, we may have been led by the devil over this guy's house. Man, he's going to kill us. I mean, we're in Alabama there, man. It's like Texas. Amen. 
Come on, tell a Texan they can't have a gun. See what happened to your butt. Anyway. Same way in Alabama. So we, we, we pull up, and Woody rolls down the window, so he's about to say something to this man. So I just scream out over top of Woody. And I said, excuse me, sir, the Lord sent us here because someone is dealing with death. Immediately, this man drops his gun, falls down on the porch, begins to weep. We get out of the car, walk on to the porch. We, we talk to him and say, what, what, what's going on? He says, my five-year-old son is in the hospital dying of an incurable disease. Direction to death. I said, we believe the Lord sent us here to pray with you. We pray with him. We cry with him for about 40 minutes, and we leave. Now, I come back two weeks later to find out the rest of the story, and this is what he told me. He says, the moment that we got into the car to leave, he went back into the house to gather himself because he was going hunting that afternoon, and, and he said he noticed there was a voicemail on his answer machine from the doctor. And so when he answered, when he, when he checked that, the doctor was like, listen, you need to come to the hospital right now. There's something that you need to see. And so he's thinking that his son may have died or whatever. So he gets to the hospital. When he gets to the hospital, opens the door to the doctor's office. His five-year-old son runs into his arms. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> And the doctor says, we cannot find an ounce of this disease in your son's body. Now, now, how many people would have sacrificed the voice of God on the altar of human reasoning? How many people would have really followed through with that? Now, it was a challenge for me. But how many times is God speaking a word to us, but because it doesn't make natural logical sense, we sacrifice it on human reasoning or think it's pizza or something we ate last night. The only way that you're going to grow in hearing the voice of God is by acting on what you believe he's saying. And if he is not saying anything to you, it's not that he's not speaking, it's that you have become deaf out of your old disobedience. All right. I'm preaching better than you're responding. The second story is actually the very next verse in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Is this helping? Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. When he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now this is an important statement. 
He says, Jesus, if this is you, command me to come on the water. Because now he's come to the conclusion, based on the previous experience, that if this is Jesus, whatever he says to do has the power within itself to accomplish that purpose. And so this is why he asks, Jesus, if this is you, command me to come on the water. And so Jesus says this. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is an important part to remember right here. At this particular time, Peter is focused on Jesus and the word in which Jesus spoke. And so when Jesus said, said the word come, that word come became the foundation that enabled him to do the impossible. So Peter wasn't actually walking on the water. He was walking on the word come. If you are not accomplishing the impossible, it is because you don't have a word that is empowering you to do the impossible. It may be because you're trying to do it out of your will instead of his. It may be because you're trying to do it out of your reasoning instead of his reasoning. Is this helping? I mean, if this puts you to sleep, your wood is wet, my friend. You need to... You need to drink some coffee. My God. Amen. (laughs) Not you. Those people didn't come here. But this right here is interesting to me. Peter says, tell me to come out. Okay, it's Jesus. He says, now, but the only way he's going to know if he steps out on that word. So he steps out on that word, and he begins to walk toward Jesus. But look at the development of this that begins to take place. Verse 29, so he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He's doing good so far. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous or contrary, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. So here's the mistake that he makes. He has a word from God. He is stepping out on that word. That word is enabling him to do the impossible. But in the process of the miracle, he becomes distracted. In the process of the miracle, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, the perfecter of his faith, and he puts his eyes on the circumstance, the perverter of his faith. And in this moment, he's actually in the middle of walking on water. He's in the middle of the sea. This is not a good idea to step off of the word that's protecting you in that season. Oh, man. It's not a good idea to become distracted when you're in the process of your miracle because it can be dangerous when you step off of that word because you don't really know how much is protecting you until you embrace your circumstance instead of his provision. And so what happens when he begins to behold the situation or his circumstances, he steps off the word come, and he steps into the circumstance, the situation, and he begins to sink. Is this helping? Family, we need to understand how the kingdom of God functions. 
The only requirement that we have is to remain in the word and be obedient to that word because we have to understand that that word carries its own power and ability to accomplish its purpose. And all we have to do is abide in it and keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm and not in the storms of life itself. We have to put our eyes fixed on him and say, I know these things are surrounding me. I know they're trying to break my attention trying to distract me but my eyes and my face is like flint and I'm putting it on my perfecter the one that's called me the one that's anointed me the one that's justified me the one that's made me righteous and holy and pure and I know that he will never leave me nor fail me I know that in him I can put all trust and value and faith because he is always there in the midst of what he's called me to walk through All right. All the hair on my head standing up preaching that. Verse 31 or verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. I love the response of Jesus. Immediately. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You see, when he was in the circumstance and he cried out to God, God did not. Listen, Jesus did not say, you dirty, rotten scumbag. I'm just going to leave you there for a while so you learn your lesson. But there's a theology in the church that says God put, thing, put things on you to teach you a lesson. Listen, God is not going to put sickness and disease on you to teach you a lesson. That's a religious... Me to teach, teach me a lesson, you know. I, I fell into sin about 10 years ago, and I, I'm just, I've been, I've been drowning in this, and the Lord's just leaving me in it. He's just teaching me a lesson, you know. I says, well, what are you doing about it? He says, well, I've been going to the doctor. I says, why are you going to the doctor? He says, well, I'm trying to get better. I says, oh, I said, if God put the sickness on you, why are you going to the doctor trying to get better? Aren't you going against the will of God? All of a sudden, it dawned on him. Yeah, that's stupid, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, that's real stupid. That's why you've been sick for 10 years, because you're sitting in your circumstances, and when you cried out to the Lord, you thought that he put you in that circumstance, and he, you think he's leaving you in that circumstance. But it says, when he cried out to the Lord, he immediately stretched out his hand, which is his grace. And what his grace did was grace reached out and grabbed Peter and pulled Peter back into the word, back into the boat. But then Jesus talked to him about what caused him to, to fall in the first place. You see, Jesus brings redemption before he brings correction. He wants you to know that you're valued and you're loved before he tells you what you did wrong to get in that circumstance. He wants you to know that you're accepted as a son, as a daughter, but then he's going to talk to you so that you don't find yourself back in that situation again. Oh, man. 
I'm preaching some good stuff. This is called, this is called good theology. I believe the major deliverance that needs to take place in the church is the deliverance from bad theology. Man, we don't need to be listening to religious people that don't even, it makes it sound like, instead of it being uh, God the Father is more like the Godfather. Like he's like he's some gangster in heaven, he wants to kill you. Like he's sitting in this desk and your prayer request comes in and he looks at your prayer request and says, oh, no, they should have prayed two more minutes. If they prayed two more minutes, all my blessings could have been released in their care. Denied. Man, I don't listen to religious nonsense like that. Listen, God wants to move more than you're willing to receive. God wants to bless you more than you're willing to handle and receive that blessing. God is not your problem. You are your problem. Praise God. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll just, I'll just leave that alone. I'll let, I'll let pastor over here get you. Man, you, you had me riled up there, but I was only nine years old in 94. <laughs> I was playing with my Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Verse 33. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Isn't this amazing? The second story when I asked the Lord, Lord, I do anything you ask me to do, even if it doesn't make logical sense. But before I share that story, I remember me and Woody, he's, a, he's my best friend, and we do all types of things together. I remember we read this story, and it really encouraged us. And we, So we just started doing crazy things and just going after God. And I, and I asked the Lord again, I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. And I happened to be working at this, this business at the time where it was a hunting business where we made cover scents for deer hunters. And I specifically worked in the department that made cleaning products uh, that would kill the human scent on your clothes, which was good because I didn't have to buy uh, uh, clothes wash for like six years. <laughs> I just took it home. It was great. But I was outside in the back in the washing area, and I'm cleaning the different pails and different things, getting it ready for the next, uh, for the next uh, product that I was going to make. And I noticed inside of one of the buckets of water, there was a dead cricket inside one of the buckets of water. And I, and I see this dead cricket there, and when I see the cricket, I had this random thought again, raise the cricket from the dead. And I got to thinking, I'm like, I don't know. I know God heals people, but I don't know if he's raising crickets from the dead. But you know what? It's not about the cricket. It's not about those things. It's about am I willing to be obedient? That's what it's about. And so I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, well, this is what I'll do. If this is really you, I'm going to wait for three days, and I'm going to make sure this cricket's dead because I don't want anything to pull wool over my eyes. Like, I, I want to know this sucker's come, from, come back to life from the dead. So I'm going to wait three days. I figured that was a good number to go with since Jesus raised on the third day. And so I, every day I'm checking this bucket of water, and every day I see this dead cricket, and every day that sucker's dead. It's lifeless. I'm poking it. Nothing, right? And then... On the third day, I get there. That cricket is there. I pick this cricket up, and I didn't know what to do. I never prayed for a dead cricket before. So, you know, I do what all Pentecostals do. We don't know what to do. I prayed in tongues. Praise God. 
And so I looked at this cricket and I started, and I looked around, see what my co-workers were around. And I'm like, and I just started screaming at this cricket. Well, I, I guess I get loud enough when my co-workers heard me. And so they come out and they walk around and they peek, you know, they're kind of like, they're peeking around the corner looking at me. And I'm like, and nothing's happening to this cricket. And so I'm thinking, man, I've lost it. And so I guess they go and tell the manager that I'm out there praying for dead crickets. And so the manager comes out to check on me. And, and by this time, I'm, I'm like, I'm fully into this thing. And by this time, I, I have the cricket on the ground, and I'm on all fours over this cricket. And I'm like, I speak life into you, cricket, in Jesus' name. Get up! And I'm screaming at this cricket. I know, I know. And so my manager walks out, and his face is like a matchstick. You know, he is red. He's like, Willie, what are you doing? I says, I'm raising a cricket from the dead. <laughs> and he says, he, you know, he's about to lose it. You can tell. He's like, okay, just, 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 just make sure you do your work, right? And I was a good employee. I was always ahead of my work, which enabled me to do stuff like this. And so he goes back in. As soon as he walks back in, I turn around, and I scream one more time at this cricket, and this is no lie. That cricket flipped over and walked off. And I just lose it out there. I'm like, oh, my God, my first resurrection. It's a cricket. I'm like, you got to start somewhere. Amen. But you know what? If I had never had the faith to see a cricket raised from the dead, I would have never saw that person raised from the dead in 2020. I saw someone that was verified brain dead, kept alive by machines in 2020. My wife and I laid hands on that person. That person woke up, took off all the machines with no brain damage whatsoever. Now, what if I had gotten distracted by my coworkers coming out there looking at me? What if I had gotten distracted about all these things and allow the other voices to pull my obedience. <sighs> Man, you've got to get to a point in your life where the only voice that matters is God. Amen. You know, I'm finally at this place. I don't give a rip what people think about me. Look, I'm all over social media and stuff. People, well, it's not that anything I post, but if I read the comments about my preaching, I mean, I'll be depressed as anybody in this room. Well, not here, probably the next church. But <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't care what people think. Their voice does not matter. They, who died and made them God? whoop de do what people think about you? They are not your creator. And so after this happens with Peter in this boat, and Jesus pulls him back onto the word and back into the boat and talks to him about his unbelief, another story happens with Peter and water that a lot of times we miss. And it's in John chapter 21. This is after... Jesus has gone to the cross. He was, 
He's been raised from the dead, and he begins to revisit the disciples. And this time, Jesus is sitting on the shore, and the disciples are are out in the boat fishing. And I want you to pay attention to what Peter does. This is important. Verse John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed him again to the disciples, showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. And the two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Now pay attention to that. Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you, no, have you any food? They answered and said to him, no, verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw, draw it in because of the multitude of fish. That's amazing, but that's not what I want to get to. What's amazing to me is the next couple of verses. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, don't you love the way John talks about himself? Now, that disciple whom Jesus loved, he's talking about himself. It's John. Anyway, you see, I, you see, that right there is true humility. True humility is seeing yourself the way God sees you. That's not arrogance. Anyway, that's another message for another day. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, listen, look what he does. He put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, do you normally get fully clothed before you go swimming? Do you normally put on your outer garment? I mean, like, do you normally get clothed before you jump in the water? Now, I wonder why Peter did this. I would like to suggest to you because he wasn't planning on swimming. You see, the last instance with Jesus, him, and water, he actually walked on it. And Jesus talked to him about his unbelief, and I believe Peter made this conscious decision. The next time I'm in this situation, I'm not going to function in unbelief. But now he's about to learn another valuable lesson, presumption. You see, the first time he had a word to walk on water, this time he only had presumption. Oh, Lord. He just assumed that he walked on water last time. He just assumed because of that he was going to be able to this next time. But the difference is he had a word, this time he didn't. See it? Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the, the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. And you see right here, 
the way that you function in faith is when it's divinely connected to the word Jesus spoke. You, can, you cannot have faith in faith. Because if you start having faith in faith, you think that faith is going to get you something that's outside of what he's provided by grace. <clears throat> when people put faith in faith, they think faith is the force that gets things in their life. And then they start making demands on God to do what he has not provided by his will. That's why you could go buy the Ford Mustang place and name and claim a brand new Ford Mustang. And guess what? How did that work out for you the last thousand times you did it? How did it work out for you? Well, I'm going to go to the lot. I'm going to get the numbers right in Jesus' name. <laughs> Jesus is not going to fix the lottery for you. That's a criminal act. You see, Peter is operating in presumption. He thinks that faith in this moment is that I can act out of my own will and accomplish the impossible. But faith is not you acting out of your own will. It is you having faith in response to his will and acting upon the word that he spoke. That's biblical faith. And so I get frustrated when I hear people talk about faith sometimes and they use it in a way that sounds more like witchcraft and manipulation than it does relationship with God. And they say, well, 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 well faith is what moves God. No, faith doesn't move God. Faith moves you into a place of receiving from God. Faith moves you into alignment, not God. I'm preaching some good stuff right here. So when I begin to make declarations, you'll notice with me, I don't declare anything that contradicts his word. Because I can declare it all day long and it'll never happen if it contradicts his word or his will. And that's why people hear faith teaching sometimes and, and they go home and try to practice certain things and they get frustrated and they get angry and they quit and they, and they throw out the baby with the bathwater because they had a misunderstanding and misapplication of what it actually means. Faith confessions. Faith confessions has to be divinely connected to what God has already provided by his grace and will. If he hasn't provided it, your faith cannot make it happen. So what I do is I identify what he's already provided and I use my faith to confess that. He's already provided healing, so therefore I can declare that. That's why I haven't been sick in 18 years. And again, I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in who Jesus is in me. Sickness is not part of my destiny. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get depressed. I haven't been depressed in 12 or 13 years. I don't take antidepressants. I take the gospel, and I get that in my heart. I'm just telling you. 
All right. I know it's Sunday morning. My stomach's rolling too. And I actually put a timer on myself this morning. Man, it's still in the green. It still says I got six minutes. I'm just saying that for all you people. Oh, you got to be led by the Holy Spirit with no structure. Some people that think being led by the Holy Spirit is that they don't prepare anything and they want the Holy Spirit to get them out of their unprepared. All right. Oh, I just means you're probably lazy and you want the Holy Spirit to make up for your laziness so you look better than what you really are. But what I do is I keep my heart before him, and I understand there has to be structure, too. We have to have structure to facilitate the spirit, not to quench the spirit. But right now, what I want to do is I want to pray for you guys. And I believe that this message right here has really been hitting home for many of you. I can feel it. I can feel you pulling it out of me. That's why I don't want to shut up, because you are pulling truth out of me. You know, some places I go, it's like I'm, I'm having to force truth into people's mouth. I'm like, swallow it, you know. <laughs> and then I go places like this, and like, keep eating. You know, I, I love that, you know. And Texans know how to eat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had a good steak the other day up in there. I mean, it was good. But I feel like this message has really hit home to many people in this room. And, and if this message is really connected with you, I want to give you an opportunity to, to respond to it. But before I do that, I, I know my wife has a, at least one prophetic word to release over one person. No? Never mind. <laughs> you know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit sounds like the voice of my wife. All the men know what I'm talking about. And so this is what I want to do then, is I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this as an altar call, and this is the call. Many of you in this room, I believe, have promises spoken over your life, dreams that you have over your life. You've taken to Jesus what you have. I want you to go to that first story and ask yourself, where are you in that process? Are you just now coming to Jesus have you presented to Jesus what you have? Have you already received what he's blessed? Are you in the process of walking toward it? Wherever you are in that journey, I want to pray for you. Listen, I want to pray for you to make it to your destination. You're looking at a man right here. The Lord is beginning to put new dreams in my heart. Right now, I've already, we've, in our ministry has already seen several hundred thousand people come to the Lord. Not thousands now, hundreds of thousands. We minister in over 85 countries. I travel over 200 days a year, and I'm just some redneck from the backwoods of Alabama of a town of 3,000 people. So if God can use this country, boy, he can definitely use you. If anything tonight, you need to go home and say, man, if God can use that hick, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? But where are you in this journey? Are you just getting started? Are you going to the Lord? Are you in that process? Are you almost there, but you're afraid to fully step into that destination?
If any of those connect with you on any level, I want you to make your way up here and get shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to pray for you. If I can have someone come up here and get on the keyboard, that would be amazing. Let's get shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. We have to do this quickly. You only have a minute and 50 seconds. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just come all the way. See, I knew this was connecting with a lot of people in this room. Every single one of us that's responding to this, every single one of us is in a different place in this journey. And my prayer is this right here, is that all the distractions that are hindering you from being obedient to that promise, to that call, to that mission. My prayer is that God is going to release the grace over your life to fine-tune your focus upon Jesus and the word that he has spoken over your life. That that becomes the focus until you get to your destination. So all I want you to do is I just want you to close your eyes and hold your hands like you're receiving a gift. And sometimes in, in, in environments like this, we, we try to work up something. This is not about working up to receive from God. Right here is just about just, just posturing your heart in this place of faith and say, Lord, I, don't, I know I don't have to beg and plead with you to touch me or to come. You're more than willing I posture my heart as a son and as a daughter just simply to receive it. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would manifest upon every single person that has responded, that you would manifest with what they need in their heart, the boldness, the courage, the grace, everything that they need to be obedient to the promise, to be obedient to your word, to be obedient to the call. I just feel right now that the Lord is breaking off the fear of failure right now over some of you. Some of you have been paralyzed out of the fear of not fulfilling the call of God in your life. And the Lord says, I'm breaking that off right now in Jesus' name. I'm breaking that off right now. I just see the Holy Spirit beginning to touch many of you right now. I just want us to stay in this place. There's no sense or reason for us to, to hurry through this right now. I just want you to let the Spirit of the Lord to begin to touch you powerfully in your heart. Yeah, yeah, there it is, there it is, there it is. Now, as I begin to lay hands on people, I don't want you to become distracted and, and disengaged from your encounter and presence uh, with the Lord. Just stay focused. Holy Spirit, come right now, right now, right now. There it is, 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 there it is. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. I bless what you're doing. If you need to go down to your knees, young lady, just go down to your knees right now. Lord, I thank you for this young lady standing right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More Holy Spirit. Just fill them up to overflowing. I thank you for the faith and the love encounter that they're having with your presence right now, Lord. I ask that you would increase that work in their hearts and her heart specifically right now, Lord. Fill her up. Fill her up. There it is. 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 More Holy Spirit. Increase. 
I just see you walking down this path and I see the Lord extending his hand and he said, I've been there with you the entire time and I'm just waiting for you to extend your hand back to him and he will guide you, he will guide you, he will guide you more, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this young lady. Lord, I, I, I thank you that there is a prophetic anointing upon her life and there's a prophetic call and destiny that she has. And I, I just see the creativity that you've designed her with, Lord. And I just hear, hear the Lord saying, I'm going to begin to use you as a creative expression of his love and his presence and power to be a demonstration of what fellowship with him looks like. And so, Lord, I bless this young lady. There it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. All the faith, all the faith and the, and the courage that you need to fulfill it is coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's going to take our time with this. This is okay. Fire of God, come. Shh. More Holy Spirit. There it is. There it is. There it is. Fill him up. Fill him up. More Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for these men and women of faith that are that have responded to this message that has responded to this call that has responded to the promises that you've spoken over their life god fill them up fill them up fill them up there it is there it is there it is i just believe as i lay hands on you there's things that are being broken off there's things that are being released more holy spirit more holy spirit fill them up fill them up fill them up fill them up there it is 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 lord i thank you for what you're doing in this room faith is building and stirring in their hearts right now courage is stirring in their hearts right now i just fan into flame the calling of god the gifting of god that's on every per single person right now step into it i just hear the lord saying step into it step into it step into it more Holy Spirit. There it is. 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 More Holy Spirit. Fire! Come. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this young lady right here. Lord, you having a power encounter with the presence of the Spirit. And he's doing deep things in your heart, young lady. More Holy Spirit. There it is. There it is. Let it release. Let it release. Let it release. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit, fire of God, come. Shh. I just see the faith that's on you, brother. I see the faith that's on you, brother, and the Lord is just calling you to trust. Every step at a time, trust, 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 trust. With every step that you take, he's going to continue to build and encourage you, to strengthen you. Father, I just thank you for this young man. I just feel like the Lord is saying you're stepping into a time and a season of fresh revelation where there's going to be understanding that you haven't had up to this moment. And this fresh understanding, this fresh revelation is going to help you to step into the calling that the Lord has placed on your life, the promises that he has spoken over your life, Lord. I just thank you for what you're doing in here. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Shh. There it is, 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 there it is. More Holy Spirit. You see, when I'm saying there it is, I can feel a pull out of my spirit into people. So that's what I'm saying when I say that. More, more Holy Spirit. Increase, Lord. I thank you for even this young man right here, Lord. Fill him up, this young minister, this young evangelist, this young anointed leader that you're raising up right now. Fire of God, come over him. Fire of God, come over him right now. More Holy Spirit. 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 Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. There it is. 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 More Holy Spirit. 
more. Yeah. It's going deeper, it's going deeper, it's going deeper, it's going deeper. It's going deeper, it's going deeper, it's going deeper. I'm trying I'm trying my best, family, just to lay hands on every single person. Just, just be patient, be patient more, Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless what you're doing in them, Lord. I thank you that you have stirred them today, God. God, I thank you that in this, in this meeting right here, there's people that are going to reach every aspect of the world. There's people that's going to reach this community and their neighborhood and this city, but there's also people that's going to be sent out. And it's outside of uh, Laney and, and her husband as well. They're going out, but it's more than just those two. It's, it's more people that God is sending. More Holy Spirit. Increase. 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 There it is. 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 Increase. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Fire of God come. You see, just these steps of obedience coming to the altar is breaking off some of the things that have been holding some of us back. And it's stirring up the giftings that we need to fully embrace the assignment that we've been given. And Lord, I just thank you that you're stirring them up, stirring them up, stirring them up, stirring them up. There it is, there it is, there it is. More Holy Spirit. Fire of God come. Fall upon the sacrifice of their life. The ones that have laid themselves down on the altar. The ones that have laid their lives down to say, I will be this expression of worship unto you, Father. I just ask that your fire will consume that sacrifice. That they would go out of this church and out of this place a consuming fire to blaze people up. More. There it is, there it is, there it is. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Fill them up to overflowing. Fill them up to overflowing. Fill them up to overflowing. Lord, I thank you for this, for this brother right here. Lord, I thank I see such a calling on his life. Lord, I see such a willingness and the tenderness of the heart to be obedient to you, Lord. God, I ask that there will be a fresh touch of your spirit upon him right now a fresh stirring of the Spirit within his heart. I just see the Lord stirring you up on the inside, stirring you up on the inside. I see activation of gifts, particularly in the area of healing and deliverance, where God is going to use you to bring healing and freedom to people, healing and freedom to people in the different aspects that that represents, not just physical healing, but emotional, mental healing. I just see the Lord you, using you to speak words into people's heart, just kind of just restoring people's minds and memories. I just see you laying hands on people's mind, on people's brains, and I just see, I just see the Lord using you to even correct chemical imbalances. Yeah. If that doesn't make sense to you now, brother, it will at some point. More Holy Spirit. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. There it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. Increase. Increase. More Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for these obedient ones that have made 
the decision to come to the altar. Fill them to overflowing. Fill them to overflowing. Fill them to overflowing right now, right now, right now, right now. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Jesus. I just sense the peace of the Lord just resting in this room, resting in this room. He's just filling us up, overflowing, overflowing with peace and peace and peace. He's bringing the soul into a place of peace and surrender. There it is, there it is, there it is. Fill them up. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Increase. Increase right now. Increase right now. Fill him up. 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 More Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this family, God. I thank you that you've called them and anointed them, Lord. Fill them up right now, God. Let there come fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing right now. Every bit of discouragement be broken off in Jesus' name. I just hear the Lord saying, hope is arising in our hearts right now. Hope is that confident expectation of the promises of God being fulfilled. And God is... is is producing hope in our hearts again. Some of us have had that hope deferred in our heart, and God is reestablishing that hope again, brother. The Lord sees you, and he loves you. The Lord is calling you, and he's not looking at who you're not. He's celebrating who you are. And I just see the love of the Father just saturating you from the top of your head, from the bottom of your feet, whether you can physically feel it or not, brother, the love of the Father is all over you. And he's saying, you are my son. You are my son. And there's nothing that you can ever do to change his mind about you. So, Lord, I bless the call. I bless the assignment. I bless the vision. Give him the boldness and the courage that he needs to step into that assignment. More Holy Spirit. Increase. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit.
Yes, God. Spill the mud, Lord. More Holy Spirit. I thank you for their surrender, their willingness to go. I just ask for a fresh, a fresh release of your grace. There it is. Just fill them up to overflowing. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. <laughs> More Holy Spirit. Increase it right now, Father. Increase it right now, Father. Fill them up. More Holy Spirit. and your daughters, God. Send them out. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up. See, it's the Lord wanted to encourage us this morning. He wanted to encourage us and challenges all at the same time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More Holy Spirit. Yeah. More Holy Spirit. Yes, Father. 
And as we get ready to close out this service, and my encouragement, everybody that's up here at the altar, if the Lord is touching you powerfully, you just stay where you are. Do not pull yourself out of the experience before he's finished with what he's doing. But I'm going to officially close unless you, there's something you need to say. I'm going to officially close the service now. If you need to leave, you're more than welcome to go. I understand uh, we have busy lives and things that come up. So at this point, if you need to go, feel, feel free to leave at any point in time. But I want to send you out with this last corporate prayer. Father, I just ask that when they go back to their lives, that they will have a sense of purpose and value, that they will see through the lens of redemption and justice and reconciliation, that they will not evaluate things as they are, but as they were created to be. And God, I just ask that you will release a greater measure of grace over them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.